Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, none other than the incomparable Sharon Reed, host and TYT sports contributor, fascinating individual. Should be a great breakdown. First story of the day, Senator Tim Scott running for president, still, well, let's just say tap dancing. Here it is. You have some things in common. You grew up, you grew up in a single family household, single mother household. I grew up with both of my parents, but raised in the Bronx projects amidst a lot of poverty and, and, and uh, violence. And you are the first black senator elected in the South since the reconstruction. That would be about, I think about 114 years. Yet you say that your life disproves uh, left, leftist lies. And, and yes. my question to you is, I'm the exception, right? You're the exception, maybe even Miss Whoopi Goldberg is the exception. Oh, she's but, definitely the but, but we are not the rule. <laughs> and so when it comes to racial inequality, it persists in, in five core aspects of life in the US. Economics, education, healthcare, criminal justice, and housing. At nearly every turn, these achievements were fought, threatened, and erased, most often by white violence. You have indicated that you don't believe in systemic racism. What is your definition of systemic racism? Let me ask, answer the uh, question that you've answered. Does it or does it even exist yeah. in your mind? Let me, let me uh, answer the question this way. One of the things that I think about, and one of the reasons why I'm on the show is because of the comments that were made, frankly, on this show, that the only way for a young African-American kid to be successful in this country is to be the exception and not the rule. That is a dangerous, offensive, disgusting message to send to our young people today, that the only way to succeed is by being the exception. That is not the message, Senator. You see, he's doing something called framing the debate. Meaning they pose a question, he then decides to define the parameters of their question, which by the way, it was not um, submitted within those parameters. And then he proceeds to defend his position based on framing what the debate is. The debate, Senator, is not about what you just mentioned. It is not that in order to make it in America, and you're black, you simply must be the exception to the rule. That is not the sentiment. Please understand, there are individuals who make it every single day. There are those who do not. There are those who have a lot who do not make it. There are those who have nothing and do. The issue is not about the polarity, the issue is statistical. And instead of utilizing the macrocosm of statistical data available to you and your entire team, you prefer to pivot to the microcosm of your personal experience. Please understand the note that needs to be on every single bill is that whatever law that is passed, you will have winners, you will have losers. Let's be clear about the reality of economics, education, and cause and effect. When a black child is born, typically that black child is born with a negative net worth or very little. See, this is statistical data. And that black child has to rise out of that. However, statistically, if it does not work in a way that progresses, the community at large bragging about yourself or another person making it. Well, that actually proves 
that the rule is still in play. Let me break down systemic racism for our dear brother, Tim Scott. Systemic racism is very simple. See, Tim Scott actually admitted he believes racism is real. Then he says, no, but systemic racism is not. Wait a minute, what does it require to become racism, to go from racism to become systemic? Well, racists have to be inside of systems. That's how it works. When racist people are inside of systems, they create policies, statutes, laws that are systemic. They have systemic impact. It's very simple. He also said that his life, his life, his one life disproves leftist lies. Let's get into it. Put up the picture full mass. Things got heated this week on ABC's hit show, The View. Of the US Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina appeared as a guest. The politician was so focused on his talking point that host Whoopi Goldberg had to call in a crew member to hush him up. Scott went to great lengths to share his belief that as a successful black man, he has been wrongly characterized as the exception to the rule. Scott's Monday, June 5th appearance on the 31 time Emmy winning show was prompted by multiple comments the host have said about his presidential candidacy and conservative views. So while trying to defend his point, debating mostly with Sonny Hostin, it was he overtalked Goldberg and she tried to throw him to commercial and caused her to get a staffer to get the politician to be quiet. The episode started out with, with Alyssa Griffin celebrating Scott entering into the presidential race because of his core position on one thing, conservative, traditional ideology, saying it is a hopeful, hopeful message. Griffin's first question, focused on how the politician planned to convince Trump supporters to follow him. I think people are hungry for something hopeful and optimistic. Scott said when defending his political posture over that of the confrontational former president. Now here's the height of hypocrisy. He will tell you about his belief in God. He will tell you that he is a fearless individual, but he will also tell you he will not talk against Donald Trump. Isn't that something? Donald Trump, who is antithetical to many of the policies that he used to support. By the way, Tim Scott, he's not a fan of book bans, but I guarantee you he will say nothing against the Satan of Florida. He would talk about these elements of racism as if somehow we just need to ignore it, keep a positive attitude, and things will work out. But that's not what you are represented to do. Senator, you're not a pastor, you are a politician. Politicians create policies. Policies are social contracts between the community and the government. You know good and damn well, black folk in America have a bad social contract. Scott himself shared an incident, this was a few years ago, with his colleagues on the Senate floor. This was on a Wednesday to explain the sometimes fraught, relationship between African Americans and law enforcement. Scott says he received an apologetic call from a supervisor. One night, this was after he was pulled over illegally. It was the third time he had received such a call since entering into the Senate in 2013. In one year, Senator Scott said he was stopped seven times by law enforcement officers. But the senator made it clear that these issues should not lead anyone to conclusions other than abide by the law. 
Isn't that ironic? So on one hand, he admits racism is a very real thing. And he feels the pressure of it even being a, a US Senator. But at the same time, he refuses to engage in a thoughtful conversation about remedies required here. Let me say this about leftist ideology. There are Republicans who literally will try and narrate my story and say, well, doc, you made it. Doesn't that disprove all of this you know, systemic bias? You see, they don't know how I made it. I made it because of a progressive prosecutor named J. Tom Morgan. When I was 17, he created a policy that was adverse to the state law. You see, Georgia Republicans created a policy that says 17 year olds are now adults in this state for one purpose. And that is for criminal penalty. The DA didn't like it. So he made a policy of his own. He said every 17 year old will receive a first offenders act. They will receive opportunity to finish their GED or finish high school. And they will receive an opportunity to either A, get a job or B, go to college. That was a progressive policy. That's why I'm a black man today with no felony conviction on my record. Then there was another progressive policy called the Pell Grant. I was able to afford to go to college because of that progressive policy. Then there's another one called the Federal Trio Program. Many of you know it as Upward Bound. That was another progressive federal taxpayer funded policy. So while he can wax poetic about his particular journey, many of us are wise enough to understand that our microcosm does not define the world. All right, Sharon, thoughts. I watched Senator Scott live on The View, Dr. Ritchie. And number one, I'm with Sonny. And not just because my questions are always longer than the answer, <laughs> but because the senator has to be able to teach a masterclass, a yoga masterclass, the way he twisted and turned. And you chronicled it there. It was ridiculous. Yeah. He cannot be president. He's too soft and fluffy. The strongest thing about this man is the black mother who raised him from a boy to a man in the South. Not gonna get it done. Yeah, we shall follow his campaign. I'm sure many more moments will come. I'm looking forward to him being on the debate stage. All right, yeah, they're bringing it back. Stop and frisk, rebrand it. They're selling it to you again. Let's put the picture up full mass. Yeah, we knew what this would eventually happen. New York Mayor Adams, NYPD neighborhood safety teams. That's what they're calling the new stop and frisk program. They are now given charge with keeping illegal guns off of the streets to carry out. They are going to carry out a high number of unlawful stops at largely, largely target black and Latino New Yorkers, according to a damning federal monitors report filed Monday, the landmark NYPD stop and frisk case. The court appointed watchdog overseeing the NYPD's controversial stop and frisk tactics in years old litigation, Millen Dannerstein, examined the constitutionality of these stops, the frisk and searches performed by covert anti-crime, in quotes, teams disbanded by Mayor Bill de Blasio and resurrected by Mayor Adams last year when he took office. The report found 24% of the stops were unconstitutional. Now that should be troubling on face value. Without getting into the particulars of your ideology, 
24% are considered unconstitutional. Well, what does that mean? That means during the process of the journey through justice, meaning the courts, many of those will get thrown out. They are not able to be prosecuted successfully. There's more. Citing the results, citing the results as disappointing. The federal monitor found the units who wear modified uniforms, similar to security guards and ride in unmarked cars, to be the least compliant of all of all officers on patrol and department oversight to be inadequate at all levels. Well, look at that cause and effect relationship. The people who believe they are special among the special, and they get to wear a special uniform and drive a very special car. And they do not have the oversight of other officers because they are very special. These cops are the number one violators. You see, this is the dimension of culture versus policy. Remember, those officers in that unit, they fall under the same exact policy as every other cop. However, the findings are damning. It shows this specialized unit, well, they don't follow the rules, no, nor are they forced to. There's more. Too many people are stopped, frisked, and searched unlawfully at the precinct level. Sergeants, lieutenants, and commanding officers fail to identify and correct the unconstitutional policing. Dernstein wrote in the Manhattan federal court filing, the mayor pledged to ensure guardrails protecting against mistakes of the past, like requiring the teams to undergo training on constitutional policing, dress in a modified uniform and wear body cameras. Well, good for you. You don't think they know how to treat someone decent? Okay, we're gonna give them a constitutional class. We're gonna give them training. We're gonna give them a special uniform, that'll do it. And um, what else? Oh yeah, wear body cameras. Well, here's the problem. If you don't enforce the rule of wearing body cameras with absolute penalty, when they cut them off or when the footage gets lost, what happens? Well, nothing. The mayor said the job, the mayor said the job to do the oversight would be done by the federal monitor who issued Monday's report, who would make sure we are doing it correctly. Adams spokesman Fabian Leving on Monday said that the mayor has serious concerns with the methodology used by the monitor to produce the latest findings. He did not elaborate on those concerns or explain why the mayor's previous trust in the monitor had eroded. The report notes that the NYPD agreed with most of the monitor's assessment, citing a breakdown of findings the department accepted and contested. Of course, any, any unconstitutional stop is unacceptable. And we will strive to do better for New Yorkers every day. As Mayor Adams always says, the prerequisites to prosperity are public safety and justice. Let's Let's pause just for a second. The prerequisites to prosperity, public safety, and justice. I can go with you there, Mayor. Do you not find it to be a violation of public safety when officers violate the rights of citizens? Who is public safety supposed to protect? The citizens or an industry? What is public safety protecting? 
the rights and freedoms of people, dear brother. That is what public safety is. Policing is a methodology that should get you to a place of public safety and protect the public safety values. Now, some will argue, well, doc, it may be effective. Think about this, you know what else will be effective? And I disagree on the notion that it's effective because it allows individuals who would be dangerous, it allows them a pass because you're looking at black and brown folk only. But here's the reality, if you decided to take all the guns away right now in America, guess what would happen immediately? Less people would be shot and killed, less children would be shot and killed. No, we can't do that, doc, that's a, that's a violation of our constitutional right. You're damn right it is, it is, I agree with you. If the government came in your home, took all of your guns, yes, it would make the nation safer from gun violence, but it is not worth eroding the rights of the everyday person to get that result. You see, we're fine picking and choosing which demographic we're willing to violate to reach a particular goal. There's more, neighborhood. Neighborhood safety cops involved in self-initiated encounters had reasonable suspicion to stop people 69% of the time. Meaning they stopped three out of every 10 people illegally, illegally. They had a legal basis for only 63% of searches out of 230 car searches. The teams recovered two damn weapons, two. The report found the team in the 41st precinct, which serves Hunts Point and Longwood in the Bronx to be the worst offender. Only 41% of stops, 32% of frisk, and 26% of searches were actually legal. That is called significant constitutional violations of people who live in New York. Don't let them play this game with you. They will tell you this is the only way they can do business, it is not. While conservatives will fight hard to make sure gun manufacturers are protected, that common sense gun reform is never a reality no matter how many children die. Because they say, well, it's protecting a fundamental right. You know, you also have the right of life. You have the right of liberty. What about those rights? All right, Sharon, thoughts on this. Mayor Adams is uh, acting boldly as if he was elected with some kind of mandate. And I think he's probably looking past the mayorship. He wants mm -hmm. more and is perhaps drunk with power, but he's starting to live up to his SNL parody, Dr. Ritchie, and it's yeah. really a shame. No black, no white, just another example of how there's just blue. And too often, once a cop, always a cop. And I just wonder if he's calling this specialized team the Scorpion Unit. That, mm. Just watch, yeah. he should call it the Scorpion Unit. We know how that worked out. Yeah, I mean, might as well, he likes branding things. A senior citizen guns down a mugger when he was running away. It was interesting, and here it is, all right?
So you see the situation unfold, obviously it is a scary moment, I would imagine. Now this is going to be one of those contextual events, context is required. Okay, all right, now let me explain, let's put it up for a mask. Surveillance video captures the moment. A New York City resident, 65 year old Charles Foner, shot and killed a would be mugger who confronted him at 2 a.m. on Wednesday. This incident occurred outside of a parking garage. Police identified the suspect as Cody, excuse me, Cody Gonzalez. Gonzalez was wearing a dark hoodie and jeans, backs off only briefly upon seeing the silver revolver before he starts swaying back and forth and making his way toward the older man, okay? A phoner, meanwhile, can be seen backing up and slowly drawing his gun. Despite having the revolver pointed directly at him at a nearly point blank range, Gonzalez continues to weave around, clenching something in his right hand before he charges at phoner and the, as the video shows. Both men were outside of the camera's field of vision when police said phoner opened fire, shooting the wannabe crook multiple times in the chest. The wounded individual appears back on camera following the shooting and then can be seen desperately running down the parking garage driveway before he collapses. Law enforcement sources said Bonard then called 911 telling emergency responders he had been involved in a shooting and that his firearm was in his jacket pocket. Court, let's put it up, according to the DA, a DA spokesperson, the Queens District Attorney's Office is expected to bring charges against the victim. They include a criminal possession of a weapon and criminal possession of a firearm. Additional charges could also come. Uh, the slain robber who had at least 15 arrests dating back to 2004 and a record of mental illness died in the street where a gun was recovered, cops said. They also found a pen in his right hand, which the shooter said he believed it was a knife according to the sources. It, it almost is lost in the story like a side note. An honorable mention, 15 arrests, a history of mental illness, 15 arrests, a history of mental illness. Now, I'm not saying the individual is some kind of saint and this was a crime against humanity. What I'm saying is having unchecked mental health realities in all communities is what? It is against the standard of public safety. You see, the dots have to connect for all of us at some point. If we actually believe that public safety is the goal, why do we contextualize public safety as policing? It is not. Public safety is achieved by good policy. Public safety probably could have been achieved in this situation if the right policies would have been implemented. Public safety could be achieved in communities all over the country if policies are implemented to address the underlying issues that lead to some of these disasters that we see. Now I understand people are going to take shots at me because of how I feel this should connect. I've never understood why police officers were considered to be your public safety remedy when the vast majority of issues that are that are threatening to public safety 
have nothing to do really with the police or a police budget. The defund the police movement was really not about police doing more, it was about police just doing their jobs. You see, police, they're not really capable, they're not trained, they're not designed to handle, handle a mental health crisis. They're not social workers. They also don't get points according to the city of Atlanta for handling or de-escalating a situation without arrest. They only get points when they lock somebody up. All right, Sharon, thoughts on this? And in that ignorant, what you just quoted from the city of Atlanta and yeah. the policy that provokes, it really provokes these kinds of interactions. And I'm not condoning the behavior here, but if you're mentally ill and you need services, then you need services. And public policy, Dr. Ritchie, also should include going after white collar criminals who steal from the public coffers and create stripped down programs or no programs yep. for people who just need help, just like people need insulin. That's really as simple as it is. Very well said, very well said. None of us would expect a person to run a 100 yard dash with a broken leg. None of us would, but we expect individuals who may have a mental health disorder to somehow understand and perform at the level of anyone else. It doesn't work that way, remedies have to be applied. We got more, the other side is indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, is on and popping, talking about Jank versus Destiny is going down. I love the graphic, man. <laughs> That's so dark. All right, Jank will debate live streamer Destiny live on Tuesday, June 6th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific Time. They will discuss Biden's presidency, money and politics, lobbying, Kyle Rittenhouse, and more. We want you to tune in, tyt.com forward slash live or on YouTube. I promise you, it will be. Fascinating. All right, we got a few comments. We'll read as many as I can. Uh, Mickey C. the Silverhead Dragon says, Scott just changed the topic of discussion. That's so much easier than addressing the question with facts. Generalizing is a way to cover up the truth. That's right, it's exactly correct. He pivoted after framing the debate or reframing the debate, pivoted to a personal story. Um, Mo Fury, Senator Scott is Republican who's gone a Republican. Yep, they all moved the goalpost and claimed the world moved around their perspective. Yep. I agree. Okay, uh, Scott Smith, politici politicians can never answer questions directly. That's right. That's a good sign. That's a politician you're dealing with. A person who can, well, that's a public servant. All right, one of the tail signs. Tyler Hackner, give the one indisputable with Dr. Rashad Rich membership. Thank you for that, Tyler. Appreciate you. Tim Crocker, thank you, Tim. I'm still waiting for Senator Tim Scott to publicly call out his own South Carolina governor. Henry McMaster for saying, I look forward to the day Democrats are so rare, we have to hunt them down with dogs. All right, map, MAPRPR, I think, thank you for this by the way. Um, I will read out via the information provided, thank you. Okay, and Twitch, Octosquiddy, Eric Adams, looking more and more like Rudy Giuliani every day. All right. Once again, on a lighter note, ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen Wood. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a In Sunday? You're, you're still free. Back off!
I'm going to tell the American African-American man threatening my life. Is illegal. It is it not. Is illegal in I'm Sarasota. having friends over. That's and you're kicking my door. That's crazy. Oh, nice. I'm going to see you for the damages there, too. Thug. Savages. Sue? Call 911. That person just physically. Uh, put it up. Okay, uh, obviously this Karen has been carrying for a very long time. Karenicity runs deep and uh, she is a sprinter, obviously. So initially the video, she is seen kicking a car. Well, she then decides to approach the neighbor. Kicks the neighbor's door and then decides to be even more aggressive. When confronted about her behavior. Now, here's the irony of this. She says the party that you are having is illegal. While literally committing illegal acts that are clearly against the law. Now, maybe there's a civil violation of something. But physical assault, destruction of property. Going on someone's property uninvited, unwanted. Well, all of those are crimes, and your crimes were caught on camera, Karen. Uh, you know, Sharon, when a person gets, you know, this age, and they are still carrying in such an aggressive way, I must submit there is no hope. There is no intervention. She will be this way forever. Um, I could be wrong. What are your thoughts here? You're not wrong. I suspect she is a career criminal. <laughs> I also suspect with no proof that this could have been a gang initiation could that she been. was part of. She is spry and running like Shakari Richardson. Mm -hmm. She was MMA like John Jones. And she was Floyd, punching like Floyd at the top of his game. She must be punished, this violent thug, Dr. Ritchie. It's yeah. scary that she is she still out there? Is she? It appears she is. Yeah, I agree with you. As a matter of fact, let's put the picture up again. Cuz um, I think this Karen, yep, Sharon, you see the color of her shirt, that is a gang color. And I think that gang color is, um, is that gold? Maybe, I'm trying to find it. All right, we'll keep people updated, all right. Double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell there's an African American man threatening my life. Watch this Karen that came in and yelled at us for her own stupidness. So I actually pulled in somebody else's driveway, opened up the food. Well, if you screw up on it, she asked me if I wanted cheese. I said, I'm going to make your sandwich. 
What? But she she already ate you and asked me, you remember you asked if I wanted pepper jack cheese. And then you were busy making somebody else's sandwich. And then I said, I said, is my sandwich even Look, done yet? And then she reached over and you, put some ham in Ma'am, there it. is cheese on it. There is cheese under the ham. There's no cheese under yeah, the ham. There's cheese under the ham. There's cheese under the ham. Exactly. There's cheese okay. right there. It was good, wasn't it? It just don't taste funny, but oh, if there's cheese, then that's all I'm complaining about. So, um, it just didn't taste like it. You know, like I said, it was the fact that you were distracted. You were making two sandwiches at the same time. And then my I, know I, I, I get this to be all the time. I just get this sandwich all the time. So I, I know what something does. So, but I happen to be almost all the way home and I just start taking two bites of it from starving. But okay. What? Let's go ahead and put the picture up. Um, according to the narrative, she literally turned around, came back to the restaurant, decided to fire off at the workers. She was proven to be completely incorrect. And here's how you know her argument was not in good faith. Everyone makes mistakes. When she decided to go in on these employees who are hardworking, it was exposed that she actually did have cheese in her sandwich. It was the same sandwich she always orders. Um, she doesn't say, you know what, my bad. Um, the issue of her carinicity or the, let's say, diagnosis doesn't allow her to simply say, hey, guess what? I thought it was one way, but it was another. Instead, she says, hey, it was because you were making two sandwiches and you were distracted. That's the reason why I thought something, something had happened. No, that means they're skilled, madam. Uh, if they were making two sandwiches and still got yours right, that's what that means. You should congratulate them, uh, give them a tip. Okay, all right. Sharon, the lady literally turned around her car, came all the way back, argued with the staff, was shown the cheese inside of the sandwich, and still decided to carry. Karens will do this over cheese. It's <laughs> right. like a drug to them, Dr. Richie. And cheese. I believe she probably ate a slice on her way back. Yeah. They'll do the cheese. I'm trying to tell you that yeah. cheese, it's orgasmic to them. Yeah. You know, we do need to, to launch some research into Karens inside of sandwich shops mm -hmm. uh, because we have seen this happen too many times. Uh, it is an epidemic in America. We got more. On the other side, it's indisputable. Stick and stay. Welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these comments. Bill's Dragons circles the wagon. That was quite the uppity carrot, right? Uh, Sammy Armani says, Dr. Dr. Richard, that's not a Karen. That's a criminal with Karen like behavior. <laughs> Many of them are actually. Uh, and homospicious. Career Karen, oh my God. Yeah, I thought that was nice. And the underscore progressive underscore carpenter. It's really wild how these Karens will play frail old lady when it suits them. But when they're really angry, they show their true super Karen strength. But you know, they'll never get the narrative of they have 
super strength. It was like they were on drugs or something. Yeah. All right. What if I told you? What if I said, you know, there's a person that went to um, Sonic, the restaurant, bit into a hot dog, and all of a sudden there were there was a hundred dollars worth of cocaine inside of their mouth. Well, that's exactly what happened according to well the facts. Let's put it up full mass. Jeffrey David Salazar, 54 years of age, a cook at a Sonic drive-in in New Mexico, was arrested last week after customer allegedly bit into a hot dog ordered from the fast food chain and found herself with about $100 worth of unwanted, that's the important part, unwanted cocaine in her mouth. Salazar was taken into custody on Thursday and charged with one count of felony possession of a controlled substance. According to a probable cause affidavit, first responders arrived at the scene and located the adult female customer who claimed to have found illegal narcotics in her hot dog. She reportedly told the officers, that when she took a bite of the hot dog, she tasted a foreign object in the food. When she spit it out, she reportedly saw it was a small plastic baggie containing white powdery substance. It was not immediately clear whether the customer ingested any of the substance, the report states. The footage from inside of the restaurant, the video footage from inside the restaurant kitchen allegedly showed the cook, Mr. Salazar, making some kind of transaction with another Sonic employee, police reportedly wrote. Salazar then appears to go back to his job of preparing food. However, soon after the alleged transaction, police reportedly said Salazar stopped what he was doing and began frantically searching the area as if he had lost something. Per KOAT, police said that Salazar's behavior indicated that he may have lost the small baggie that was found in the customer's hot dog. Um, in a follow-up interview with investigators, police say that he actually admitted, Salazar admitted that the small bag contained cocaine and belonged to him, allegedly claiming that he purchased the narcotics from someone in the restaurant parking lot. According to a report from Fort Worth NBC affiliate KXAS-TV. The supervisor at the Sonnet location reportedly refused to comment on the incident when reached by the NBC affiliate KOB TV. All right, it's a hell of a story. All right, um, very dangerous for the person who bit into it because I guarantee you, if she would have ingested um, two or three grams of cocaine, well, that would have been problematic to say the least. So it created a severe danger to a customer. Um, the element of him having drugs at the job, well, not a good idea, obviously. And when it was lost, it's somewhere, somebody may actually know where it's at, or perhaps it's lost in a food bucket. And that's exactly what happened. It was dropped inside of food. Sharon, I've heard a lot of stories in my life, um, but someone buying a random hot dog at Sonic and all of a sudden getting a $100 cocaine surprise, I have never heard of before. Thought. I haven't either. Let's, <laughs> does Sonic have something new? On the menu, but as someone who likes to cook and is often distracted and multitasking, you might get an eggshell in the scrambled eggs. I might forget an ingredient, 
but I too have never dropped yeah. that stash in a hotel. <laughs> right. Okay, I'm being new right. on the menu. Yeah, I mean, you know. Eighty-three-year-old black veteran decides to defend someone. Let's put up the picture for a mask. This individual is a veteran. Was arrested after he tried to protect a woman involved in an apparent road rage incident in a parking lot of an Amazon Fresh in Los Angeles. This actually happened May 20th. I'm going to give you the background. One witness, Damon Moses, said of the incident. Moses said that an older woman who was reportedly a neighbor of the 83 year old man, later identified as Richard Strickland, then pulled into a parking lot driving a black Lexus. And the 31 year old man later identified as Jan Carlos Santiago began yelling at her. The veteran reportedly came outside of his robe and slippers armed with a gun to protect the woman from road raging Santiago. Who began yelling at him, according to LAPD Captain Kelly Munez. Strickland shot Santiago during a dispute involving the female acquaintance. One witness, Tracy Knox, told Fox 11 News that Strickland warned Santiago he had a gun. But Santiago took off his shirt and acted as if he was planning to fight the 83 year old man. Also called him racial slurs. That's further evidence of aggression. The older man pulled out the gun, said Knox. He pulled it out twice. First time he pulled it, it was like a warning. And then he was going to put it away, turned his back. The Latino gentleman took off his shirt like he was going to fight and started spewing derogatory statements at him. And all that point, and all, and at that point, excuse me, the black male turned around and shot him. He's 83 years old. Santiago was declared dead at the scene, right? Was declared dead at the scene and the war veteran was taken into custody. He was arrested, you stand your ground, self-defense, those things don't apply to black folk, obviously. According to NBC Ford News, the shooter had recently begun a relationship with the woman arguing with Santiago. Strickland is being held in jail in lieu of a $3 million bail. That's according to reports. Now. There's really no ambiguity about this being an issue of defense. The witnesses, plural, corroborate exactly what you just heard. There's an aggressor, the aggressor is Mr. Santiago. There's a fearful person, that fearful person is the woman in the parking lot. There's a protection attempt by the 83 year old veteran. It didn't work, so he says, listen. I have a gun, you wanna get aggressive, you wanna jump wrong, I have a gun. What else is he going to do? He's 83 years old, all right? You think he wants to fight somebody? No, and if someone fights him, well, he could die. You don't get, in my opinion, more self-defense than this. The witnesses clearly indicate he not only tried to warn the guy, walked away, put his gun up, and then was charged at. He's in jail, $3 million bond. How many stories have you seen right here on Indisputable where the facts are not this clear? The danger 
is not even real, just perceived. And the individual who pulled the trigger, well, they don't get prosecuted. They got to go home. I mean, just think about the elderly white man who shot the child, who rung his doorbell. He didn't get arrested that day either. He didn't get arrested at all until there was a national movement to lock his ass up. And now you have an 83 year old veteran, a person that has lived seemingly a very responsible life, protecting, defending somebody else. Aggression is noted, threats are noted, racial derogatory language noted. He shoots, warns the person, turns away before this happens. He still gets arrested, he still has a bond. Obviously, most in this country could not afford. Sharon, thoughts on this debacle? Well, it's a clear charge to me, Dr. Ritchie. It's called America, look at your life charge. Also referred to as this is America charge that the war veteran is now in the pokey for defending a woman and himself. Okay, America, okay. Yeah, um, nothing from the NRA, nothing Mm. from the pro veteran groups defending Mm. this individual gun owner and his right. None, you know why? Because he doesn't fit the description of their narrative. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, we have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. Um, Cats and Dragons says, most expensive hot dog ever. Yeah, seems to be. Perry Anderson, that's bad all around. Not why food prepping dude, LOL, damn. Jackson Jackson, this is going to cost Sonic a lot more than two grams. Yeah, that lawsuit coming, believe it. Devil Dragon, Devil Dog Dragon. So what happened to good guy with a gun? Stand your ground, where's the NRA, right? He's the wrong color, that's right. As I said, he doesn't fit the description. Google, yeah, Google, they have finally removed a slavery simulator game, I kid you not. Put it up full mass. This was already a very highly controversial game called Slavery Simulator from its app store. After it caused outrage in Brazil, the app which allowed players to buy and sell black characters. It was launched by Magnus Games on the 20th of April. In a description of the game, the developer boasted that users could exchange, buy and sell slaves. It also allowed players to inflict various forms of torture on black characters. According to images of the game, users were offered a choice to either liberate the enslaved characters or use slaves for your own enrichment, prevent the abolition of slavery and accumulate wealth. Let's put it up, all right. Magnus Games said, the game was created solely for entertainment purposes. Our studio condemns slavery in any form. All game content is fictional and not tied to specific historical events. All all coincidences are um, accidental. You must think I'm boo boo the fool. So all of the, let's just say, connections between how slavery actually 
worked in America and elsewhere. And how your game simulator is programmed. Well, that's just by accident. Okay, there's more. Um, at the time of its removal, the game had a rating of four out of five stars. With one review reading, great game to pass the time. But I think it lacked more torture options. The game was downloaded more than a thousand times before it was removed on Wednesday, local media reported. The Office of Brazil's public prosecutor said it had opened an investigation into how the game called Simulator was allowed to be placed on Google Play Store, local media reported. In a statement to the BBC, a Google spokesperson said, that the Play Store does not allow apps that promote violence or incite hatred against individuals or groups based on race or ethnic origin, or that depict or promote gratuitous violence or dangerous activities. So let's talk about history and slavery in Brazil. Brazil is a country still, still coming to terms with the legacy of slavery, which was only abolished in 1888. More than 4 million enslaved people were taken to Brazil in the course of the country's history. In 1822, you had 1.5 million of the 3.5 million people living in the country enslaved. With a population of 209 million and 54% of them being of African descent, Brazil is the largest black nation outside of Africa and the second largest in the world behind Nigeria. So the game itself, was meant obviously to benefit from the core corrupt reality of racism. And when called out about it, all of a sudden the programming dynamic was all accidental, not meant to actually connect back to historical events that have taken place on this planet. Um, but let me also say this about Google, naturally there Conversation is ridiculous, I'm talking about the maker of the game. But let's talk about Google who failed to give an actual response to the question. But instead cited a policy that obviously didn't work or they felt it did not apply initially. How did this happen? The prosecutors in Brazil, Brazil wanna know. You know what the prosecutors wanna know in Brazil? They actually have laws against racism. Many people don't realize that these are codified in their statutory language. So there's a real investigation. Uh, we shall see if anyone is held accountable, responsible, even if there's a real PR fallout at all. Sharon, thoughts on this? Yeah, the statements were so stupid yeah. and just so not credible. It was as if George Santos authored <laughs> right. both. Okay, he's working <laughs> right. for the company and Google, Dr. Ritchie. But I yeah. would like to know how much money they made off of this, and let's have that go to reparations and, you know. It, yeah. What more can you say about this exactly. ignorance? Insane. Sister fatally stabs her nine year old sibling. And this is the moment after. Here it is. Ayla, I'm sorry. I'm so Come here. Sorry. Come here. We're just gonna put handcuffs on just for now. I'm sorry, just pull pants. Where's the knife? Sorry, Dad. I'm sorry. I don't know what. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Please. I'm so sorry. I'm 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 sor
How old are you? I'm 12 years old. Where's the knife? I was upstairs in my room and I threw it out the window. And it's still in the apartment right here. You threw it where? I threw it out my window upstairs. Not, up not right there. It's the room. It's the other room. It's right behind the apartment. This apartment right here. So where would the knife be? On that side? Behind, right behind. Use yeah. the knife. Okay. I'm so I'm sorry, Mama. I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. This is something not I'm hey, so sorry. What's your monkey? Man, we had to cut that video short. Couldn't stand it. <laughs> 12 year old Oklahoma. 12 year old Oklahoma girl. Tearfully told police the back of a patrol car early this year. As a nine year old brother was dying from the stabbing she admittedly committed. The fatal incident occurred at an apartment in Tullis's downtown St. Thomas Square neighborhood. This was just before midnight on January 5th, according to the police department. I'm so sorry, the girl continued. I don't know what the happened. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. End quote. The girl also revealed to the arresting officer that she had cut wounds on her arms, which the cop examined during her arrest. She never explained in the video why she stabbed her nine year old brother. And her mom expressed shock to police as to how and why the stabbing had unfolded. I just don't understand why she would have had so much anger toward him, the mom told police according to law and crime video. Especially at bedtime, the mother said. The statements from the mother include she has been very well behaved the entire six months she has been gone. And yes, I'm very supportive of her and I love her very much. Obviously, there is a lot of healing that we both need before we can ever live together again. And she needs mental and emotional help after this. She could have permanent damage. We don't know yet, She, but she has not had any issues, April Leiter wrote. One explanation ventured by April Leiter's uh, pharmaceutical. They were good kids and I never let that prevent me from providing for them in every way, including emotionally, mentally, financially, etc. She wrote, they were raised as God-fearing children and never had behavioral issues until she was put back on medication she was off for over a year. The girl's mother clarified that the medication was not psychiatric, but she did not want to elaborate because I'm not sure what all I'm allowed to share just yet. She has never even yelled at me. She was happy and energetic, loved school. She is not mentally ill. She has not been diagnosed with anything, April Lida wrote. Adding later on, she was as normal as a child or your child as any 12 year old child who was not allowed to cuss or watch scary evil movies. She was just starting to rebel because, but she was also just going through normal teenage things. So no one 
So no, there were no signs that would have warned any of us that she was a threat. Um, listen, there are going to be many opinions about why this happened, what happened. But you know, a nine year old child is dead. And the baby was just likely going to sleep, okay? Regardless of what you may believe about the parents, um, that nine year old child has to be honored that family is absolutely torn. Put up the GoFundMe. I'm going to contribute, I hope you do the same. April and the family, they have launched the GoFundMe. Naturally, this has created significant turmoil in their entire existence. This was a tough one, brother. Um, Normally, we don't see the precise aftermath of something like this, a very tragic family situation and death of a nine year old and being killed by a 12 year old sister and her raw reaction. Uh, those things are not normative in, in our you know, review of media. Um, so it, it impacted me in a way. Um, what are your thoughts? This is one of the hardest stories that I think I've ever seen. And it yeah. because, um, because I'm a parent, I have yeah. a 10 uh, year old girl and a six year old boy, three and a half years difference between them. The daughter hopefully will be 12 years old at some point and son will yeah, be right. nine. And so they'll have that same split. And I can yeah. already see as any parent can, you can see sometimes your kids, they fight, they argue, they want more attention. They feel that the other one's getting the attention and sometimes they strike out and lash out at each other. This is every parent's worst nightmare. Um, that Man. somebody would grab a knife for no for no reason you can understand. Um, there's just there's just no words. There's no words yeah. for it. And I just my heart breaks uh, for this family. Um, and I just I hope everybody contributes to the GoFundMe page and sends their thoughts and prayers not only to the 12 year old and her mom but also to the deceased nine year old. Yeah, horrible. Indisputable, exclusive. Sad, a man is held hostage, dies, police are down the street and they do not respond. Put up the picture full mass of the family. In Colorado Springs, Colorado, the family of Quaylen Campbell, a 32 year old father taken hostage and killed less than a mile away from Colorado Springs Police Department headquarters. Friday are now asking why police officers failed to respond to the 911 call that could have saved his very life. According to reports, Quaylen Campbell was found dead after officers received an emergency call shortly after 2 p.m. on Friday, June 2nd, reporting two unconscious people who had possibly been shot in a car on South Nevada Avenue in Colorado Springs. Let's put it up. It's very graphic, according to a press release by the law offices of Harry M. Daniels. The report fails to mention that Campbell's wife, Talija Campbell, called 911 nearly an hour earlier to report that her husband had been taken hostage after receiving a desperate message from her husband reading, 911, send please. The message also included Campbell's location. It also included a picture of the man who had taken him hostage. 
while his wife called 911 immediately to report that her husband was being held hostage and the location where he was being held hostage at, not one law enforcement officer responded. None of them came until Campbell was found dead, having bled out from a gunshot to the abdomen roughly an hour later. Neither the CSPD nor the El Paso County Coroner's Office have released the name of Campbell's killer or any recording of his wife's 911 call. Let's put up the leadership, so-called. You have Chief Adrian Vasquez of Colorado Springs Department. And you also have Dr. Leon Kelly, who is the Deputy Chief Medical Examiner for the El Paso County Colorado Coroner's Office. Put up those who are fighting for justice. Attorneys Harry Daniels and Chantel Cherry Lazeter are representing Talija Campbell, the wife who told the police what the crime was. This is a severe felony. Here's your location. Here's the picture of the man who has my husband held hostage. No response. He was shot in the abdomen. Let me tell you why that part is going to be important to the case. It's one of the slowest ways you can die from a gunshot. It takes a while, according to medical science. Daniel said in the press release, the Colorado Springs Department and the El Paso County can make all the excuses they want. But the facts are simple. This was a hostage situation where Quaylen Campbell was begging for his life. His wife called 911. The police were less than one mile away. But they never responded, Harry Daniel said. Let's be clear, if the police don't respond to a hostage situation, none of us are safe. There's a significant breakdown here, obviously, a lack of care negligence, maybe even intentional. We don't know all the variables, but we do know this. It was called in as a hostage situation. You don't get more evidence in that 911 call than what this woman provided. You have to think about it. Who can tell you exact location and the exact person who's holding someone you know hostage? She provided everything they needed in order to simply go to the location and provide the service their tax dollars pay for. Now, this should make individuals really upset who pay into the system of government, believing that the system of government will provide service to them when there is an emergency. This is one of them. According to statistics, 89% of policing is, you know, pulling over individuals for traffic tickets and getting money. This is where real police work should happen. It's a violent crime in progress and nobody responds. We're going to follow this story. We may also bring the wife on the show. This story is just developing, sad indeed, details to come, sharing thoughts.
I'd like to sniff out, sniff it out at least, the potential criminality. Because I don't know how many more examples we need, Dr. Ritchie. This widow, the estate of this murdered black man, Harry Daniels, the attorney here, we know his record. He and his co-counsel, they'll get paid. But does immunity cover willful, potentially, failure to act? I I really Mm. wanna know here. What can be done? We don't need any more examples. Yeah, the uh, the Supreme Court made it difficult years ago. They ruled that basically police officers have no mandate um, to protect, uh, constitutionally speaking. But there's some statutory language per districts. They have tried to overcome that ruling. I don't know what the ruling is for that local jurisdiction. Based on how they responded, they're not worried. All right, we got more on the other side. Is indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Always good to be with you. Let me read a few of these comments. Um, Trekkie 21, Colorado Springs is a conservative area. Why would the cops not respond quickly to a crime? I thought Republicans were tough on crime. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Also, roses in August. Then they'll look at her like a black single mom. And not a widow. All right, very sad stuff, isn't it? Okay, a mother fatally shot by her neighbor. Neighbor not arrested. Community is outraged. Put up the picture for a mask. Florida is where this happened. In Florida, 35 year old <clears throat> AJ Owens, a black mother, a black mother of four. Four children was shot and killed after a longtime feud with a neighbor. It all began with a complaint about the victim's children playing outside. According to the sheriff, the woman who shot Owens is cooperating with authorities and no arrests have been made, citing the stand your ground law in Florida. They have not released her name or any identifying details. However, attorney to the family, Benjamin Crump, identified her as a white female and the victim's family is calling for the arrest of the shooter. The shooter, also a woman engaged with Owen's children and threw a pair of skates hitting the children, the sheriff said. A witness told police, There had been a dispute over a child's electronic tablet device prior to the shooter throwing the skates at the children. According to an incident report from the sheriff's office, following that interaction, one of the children went back inside their home, told the mother as children would do, and went to the neighbor's home to confront the lady that just did this deed. That is according once again to the sheriff, according to the shooter. There was, and I quote, a lot of aggressiveness from both sides. That's called mutual. As well as threats being made, and Owens was ultimately shot through the door, Wood said. Witnesses told authorities Owens went to the shooter's home, knocked and knocked on the door before she was shot. According to the incident report, Owens was later pronounced dead at a hospital in a separate news conference held by Owens' family attorney. The victim's mother said the neighbor who shot her daughter had called the family, including the children, racial slurs. 
The neighbor's door never opened when Owens, who was black, tried to confront her. And she was shot through the door, Pamela Diaz, the victim's mother, said. Okay, um, let's put up the picture. This is a sad situation, obviously, and unjust in my opinion. The victim's mother continues, my daughter, my grandchildren's mother was shot and killed with her nine year old son standing next to her. She had no weapon, she posed no imminent threat to anyone. Let me say this, you've heard on this show today, an 83 year old black veteran defending the life of another person and his own. He shoots an aggressor, he is taken to jail. You have this story, a white female shoots a black woman, a mother in her own neighborhood, shoots this woman through her door. Authorities immediately said, mm, stand your ground applies here. The contrast cannot be more dangerous. This is why we fight for better policies. This is why we fight against those who operate in bad faith. This is why we stand up for individuals who may not have a voice in that moment. We can empower them. Let's put it the GoFundMe. This has shaken the family to their very core. From the children to the mother of the victim. Justice for Ajika Owens homegoing celebration. They're raising money to simply bury her. In the black community, we do not call them funerals, we call them homegoing celebrations. Understanding that the soul goes back to its origin. Share your thoughts. So no arrest, Dr. Ritchie. And as I understand what you related, even the sheriff said that there's an acknowledgement that this shooter assaulted the children yes. and then killed their mother. Yes. Shot through the door. I I'm waiting for the imminent threat. And so there's no arrest, no $3 million bond, as the other story, yep. Mr. Strickland. And the only person left standing, because they killed the other party, is supposed to frame the story here. There's nothing to see. Do I have that? Do I have it right? 100% correct. I thought perhaps I missed something. This is America, and we're tired of showing the examples. These examples are so close now. Okay, there's barely a fact out of place, and yet some don't see it. I don't know what the solution is. I don't know what the solution is, but there's some kids without their mother this summer and for the rest of their lives. Don't know the solution either, other than keep fighting. And as our dear brother, Dr. Cornell West says, we'll go down swinging. All right, on a lighter note, a bear, a bear, well, the bear likes cupcakes, stole 60 of them from a Connecticut bakery. Here it is.
Let's put up the uh, screenshots of the surveillance video. In Avon, Connecticut, taste by spellbound bakers were loading cupcakes into a van to make deliveries. They were surprised by a bear Wednesday morning. Employees walked around the side to try to scare the bear, but it scared them and retreated into the garage. It then grabbed a container out of the van, dragged it into the back parking lot where it helped itself to about 60 cupcakes. Police checked the area to make sure the bear had retreated into the woods. And the Connecticut Department of Energy and Environmental Protection arrived to bait the bear trap with sweets. The business is now more alert about bears eating their cupcakes. Um, I mean, you know, the, the man wanted some cupcakes. All right, okay, Sherry. Well, I'm embarrassed to say it, Dr. Ritchie, but I'm on the prowl too. But the only <laughs> difference between me and the bear looking for cupcakes is I usually do my prowling a little after midnight. Yeah. Okay, look, sugar fiend is a sugar fiend. What do yeah. you want this four-legged sugar fiend to do? Give up you the know, cupcakes. You know, I, I gotta say it looks like that bear was familiar with the process. I'm That's just right. saying, it was in and out, all right? Gluten free, it doesn't matter. That's right. There you go. All right. Sharon, always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you and check out your great work. At Sharon Reed Live across all platforms. I appreciate you having me on, Doc. And then check us out, um, Rebel HQ, enjoying the work I do with TYT Sports. Uh, another installment uploaded today. I hope you'll check it out. Make sure everyone, make sure you all check out Sharon's TYT Sports and anything else she does. Follow her on social media. We always appreciate your presence. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable.